You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Amen. Good morning and welcome to church. Can you greet someone before you take your seat? Tell the person, I'm glad to see you in God's house. This is my father's house and I receive you. You're welcome. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody I live here, not in the physical temple, but I live in his presence. That's where I belong. Praise the Lord. That's where I'm strong. I can't do without his presence. He's everything to me. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, the Father's Church, last Sunday we marked our 17th anniversary. Praise the Lord. And, um, you know, we just uh, did some, I don't even know what I called our last Sunday's meeting, whether it was a sermon or just a conversation, whatever it was. On Wednesday, we went further to look based on the advice that had come during the Sunday meeting to look at the letters in the book of Revelation to the churches. And um, on Wednesday, we began to look at the very first church, and we saw the letter to the church at Ephesus. And we saw that in that church, Jesus said to them, I have seen and I have taken note of your labors, your works, your perseverance, your patience, your discernment. I mean, you have labored for my name's sake and you have not even grown weary. I don't know, but I think that should have scored a hundred percent. Praise the Lord. Now, first of all, please, let me just pause. How many of us were in church on Wednesday? Just raise your hand. Okay. How many of us followed online on Wednesday? Raise your hand. Okay. Praise the Lord. How many of us don't even know what we are talking about when we say Wednesday? I wish you victory. Praise the Lord. The Father's Church meets on Sunday and on Wednesday. Okay? We meet Sunday and Wednesday. For you to be fully um, fed with what God is saying to us here, you must be part of the two services. Minimum. Minimum. Sunday and Wednesday. There are churches that have programs every day. And they attract people to those programs by calling it different names, Hour of Power, you know, Kick Out the Devil, you know, Stop the Morning or Stop the Sun or Stop the Night, you know, all kinds of things. And it's okay. I mean, every man will serve according to how God has led him. But you see, our Lord Jesus Christ said, You shall know the truth. And the truth will do the rest. That's my paraphrase. You shall know the truth and what will happen? The truth will do the rest. So when we call you to come, I'm sure if there were some, you know, gymnastics on Wednesdays and we had people 
you know, doing some kind of prayers that you need big amens to follow. I'm sure more of you would have come. But one thing I don't like is that I don't like people deceiving me. And God has helped me also. I don't want to deceive anybody. The truth is all you need. Every other thing may make the pastor look more important, may make the circumstance look more essential, but the truth is all you need. Praise the Lord. So I beg you and I encourage you, okay? Please be part of those two meetings and God will bless you in Jesus' name. So we saw that this church in Ephesus, they did all of this. They had works, they had labor, they had patience, they were not tolerating evil. Can you beat that? They were set apart, they had discernment, they persevered and labored for his namesake, and they didn't grow weary. And still in verse 4, in spite of all of this, verse 4 begins by saying, nevertheless, never what? What is remaining? (laughs) Praise the Lord. After all these things, what is remaining? But Jesus, the one who we call what? The champion of the host above. The captain of our destiny. Our master. This is what he says. He says, I still have something against you. And for that thing alone, he, he, he threatened them. I'm going to remove you. I'm going to remove your lampstand. So it wasn't something that was negligible. It was something they needed to attend to. And what did he say to them? He said, I have this against you that you have what? Left your first love. That you have left your first love. And he said to them, repent. Repent. Repent of leaving your first love. Now we saw all the things they were doing well. But when shown what it was about this first love. And we said, peradventure, the Spirit of God left it blank so that I can also go back to my first love. And you can also go back to your first love. And somebody says, Amen. And, and we learned on Wednesday. Why I'm begging you to come on Wednesday is so that when we come on Sunday, we can just make progress. But when you are not part of Wednesday, if we're going on Sunday, it's like you miss board mass and then they're taking you to quadratic equation. You know it's going to be chaos. You won't know what to do. Okay? So, first love, they didn't tell us. But what we learned was that left your first love meant deserting something that you used to do. It meant that there was something good in you or something good proceeding from you that the master was enjoying. That along the line, you're no longer offering him. And he's particular that you pick up that thing. And for some of us, we learn that it may have been our finances. Some of us, that the freeze has made us to stop, you know, giving what they call tight. We don't call anything tight here. Yeah? It's your option. You can give 0.0%. You can even come and steal. The day God catches you, that's your own. Praise the Lord. No, yes, but people have grown, you know, have gotten, you know, cold in their giving financially. As a young Christian, you were giving more. But now you're a big man. And the money is bigger, but you're giving less in percentage. And you think you're smarter because you have bigger desires and bigger dreams. For some of us, maybe it's the prize or our witnessing, our evangelism. You know, before you spoke to everybody, it really didn't matter whether they said to you, get away or you're a fool or whatever. You just wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. Praise the Lord. So different 
things. You know your place. You know my, you know, I know my place. For some of us, it's brotherly love. You know, there were some people, when they got born again, they didn't care about themselves. Just let the brother be happy. Let my people, let there be joy in the house. And they're okay. But all of a sudden, you know, as God prospered you, as you matured in the faith, you became solo and you just wanted to come to church. In fact, people irritated you. You're happy when the church is empty so that you can have seven rows to pray your wonderful prayer. Now, I don't know, but Jesus said what? I have this against you that you have left off something, something that you used to do. And as a church, corporately, we also began to look at ourselves. What are the things that we used to do that we have left off? My prayer is that in this new year for the church, we will pick up the things that we left off in the name of Jesus. But just as a summary, we say this thing could touch three areas. Since it was called love, it would either be love for God, which is the beginning of the whole transaction. Love for God. Okay? And we say the second one is what? Love for the brethren. And we say the third one is what? Love for the lost. Lost Love for the world, for the unsaved. Because truly, if I believe that I'm going to heaven and the other alternative is going to where? Hell. Then I must be concerned about those who are not what? Currently on their path to heaven. It must be my desire to depopulate hell and do what? Populate heaven. If I'm not thinking like that, then something, you know, needs to be done about it. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So coming from that background, another area that, you know, the Spirit of God quickened to me was the area of diligence, of faithfulness. Diligence of faithfulness. Come with me to Luke 14. Luke 14, we're going to read a long passage. It's not that long. 15 to 33. And it's a conversation that our Lord Jesus had, you know. And the first part of it was what he was saying to, in response to one of the Jews who said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And the background is that the Jews knew they were special people to God. So they were expectant of when the kingdom of God will come. And they and their patriarchs, Abraham, you know, Moses and the rest of them will now sit down with God and feast and all of that. So that we are sure of this since they were natural descendants of Abraham. That's why when our Lord Jesus came, he had to break that misconception that this kingdom is not a physical one. Yes, Christ came through you, but he didn't come through you for a physical kingdom. Praise God. So we read from verse 15. Come with me. Let's read together. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and sit. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being 
angry, notice that being angry, say to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Okay, let's stop here. We'll read the second part. Let's look at this briefly. We see Jesus telling them a story here. But this story concludes with a statement that takes it beyond just plain story. Verse 24 says, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So this is talking about the end and about making the kingdom of God. And what we see here is, I don't know if it's a bit baffling to you. But a feast is prepared. Our people, the Igbos have a saying that, come chop, come and eat. It's not what? It's not come and walk. So when, when it's come and eat, they don't beg people. People respond without being pushed. Come and eat, you know. But we see here a case of come and eat. Praise God. This is a classical case of come and eat. And then we see the people what? Not responding. What is going on here? Praise the Lord. What is going on? Okay, we're going to get to that. And then we see another part of it there where the Bible says the master was angry. Now, if I ask you to come and eat and you say I'm not coming, do I have a right to be offended? I don't have a right. So there's something there. What happened there is this. The RSVP we have today, now in Nigeria, RSVP, if you've not attended uh, Momichi's Finishing School, better attend. Okay, if you're not attended finishing school, RSVP is what? Rice and stew, very plenty. That's what you do with it. Okay, but when you understand, RSVP means for this invitation, I need a response from you so that I can plan. Now, for the master in this case to be angry, it meant, uh, uh, sorry, I was going to say that I didn't start today. Because the feast those days, the person making the feast will send notice to the persons who he's inviting. And based on their confirmation, he's going to plan the number of oxen and the number of, you know, lambs and all of that to slaughter and the wine to purchase. That is how come he was angry. Because every one of these people had said what? That they will come. Besides the word excuse, you don't make excuse for something you're not obligated to. So these people had given their assurances, and based on that, he had gone what to prepare the feast for them. However, when it was time for the feast, all of a sudden, you, began, you, know, you begin to take note that excuses filled everywhere. And notice that the Bible, which is very accurate, said what they gave were excuses, not reasons. Now, there's a difference between excuse and reason. Excuse is the reason you give to yourself for not doing what you ought to do. It doesn't fly for another person. You tell yourself, you know, so why are you late to church? You say there is traffic. Now, the truth is this. You are early in many places, even though there is traffic. In fact, you get to many places before. How many people have been late to a visa appointment, visa interview? You have visa interview in American embassy or UK embassy, even in those days in, in Lagos. How many people got there late? People used to wake up at 3.30 a.m. 
to leave their homes by 4.30 so that they can be at the embassy before 8 in the morning. But people will come late to work or come late to church that is starting at 9 and give you the excuse of what? Traffic or whatever. You see, it's an excuse. It's not a reason. Because you're just building a castle that only you will live inside. And it does not help. Praise the Lord. So, so these people gave the excuses. The one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. You don't buy and test. You test and buy. Okay? The other one said, I married a wife. Let me go and do whatever it is. I don't know his story, but in the Jewish tradition, marriage is not a one-off event. It's something that takes a long, long time. In fact, the ceremony itself is not one day. We did a wedding here yesterday. If it was in their days, it will continue for the next six days. That's why the wine keeps running out. And that's why you have to keep inviting Jesus. Because it's difficult to anticipate what is going to happen. Praise God. So all these are here. But why would these people on that very day say, we are not coming and make excuses? Can anybody, you know, have you thought about this? Let me tell you what I think is the problem here. And which is what leads us to the second part of the story we're going to read. What the problem here is this. Where there is no commitment, where there is no commitment, it's easy to withdraw at the very, very, you know, slightest, flimsy reason. You see, these people just had an invitation. Imagine if for this feast, they bought tickets. That's why a lot of people now, even Christian programs, when they organize it, they sell tickets. Because they know that when people pay for something, even though they wanted to give it to them free, somehow they'll have a better mindset to receive what is being given them. You see, free, free is wonderful. But free is dangerous. Because free things are despised, no matter their value. You know, just like people would almost, you know, always admonish us, no matter how bad you feel, because you didn't get the contract, okay, this is the uh, last month of the year, so I should be preaching, pursue and overtake, recover, or it's okay. But whatever you have not caught throughout this year, at least you have oxygen. This year has taught us that oxygen is very expensive. There is a machine called ventilator. Nigeria had, I think, about four of it when coronavirus started. I don't know how many they have now. That means to provide artificial breathing assistance, we could only provide for four people out of 200 million. Now, all of us are here, and we're breathing in oxygen and bringing out carbon dioxide. Now, for that, you will never be thankful. You know why? You have never paid for it. Free, free is wonderful, but free is despised. And when you despise what is the most important, you put yourself at risk. That's why some persons who make, you know, who who collect, what is it called, seed, when they're preaching gospel and make you, you know, harass you, make you feel that, just intimidate you and make the gospel a bit expensive for you. Somehow, they might be in trouble personally, but they might be helping people. Because they have a value for it. I remember those days when we attended conferences in the U.S. We would queue for maybe an hour or two before the program starts. I don't know why they used to do it. I think they were saving money on air conditioning and all of that. 
Then just 20 minutes before the program, they open the door. And we are filing in like children from assembly, morning assembly. And then we file in, we are happy. When we enter the auditorium, we are glad. We just sit down. But when the auditorium is open for you, come on Wednesday by 6. If you come for it's open, 2 is open, you will not come. Because it's free. But little did these people know that they were taking a big risk on their lives. And the master said, none of these ones who were invited will do what? Will be brought into my kingdom. May God make us wise in the name of Jesus. You see, the, the, the world we are in, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful world God has created. It's a wonderful world God has created, I'm telling you. And, and God is just beautiful. God is just wonderful. God is excellent. God is good. I mean, beyond what we could ever know. Praise the Lord. However, and unfortunately, God has to find a way of bringing this is goodness to come into contact and to be enjoyed by man. Praise God. L- let me explain that. You see, left to God alone, all that beauty will just be as it is. But you see, God has to deal with man. It's like, I don't know how many of us have had to take a child along. I don't, uh, um, uh, Luca, is it your son that was making a lot of noise this morning? Where is he? There was a child that was making a lot of noise. Your son, eh? Okay, it must be uh, uh, um, Bob's child. Now, I'm sure what they're doing for this child is probably brushing the child's mouth. Or feeding the child. But if you hear the cry of this child, if you didn't know the character of the pe- parents, you will think the child is being slaughtered. Yeah, 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 daddy, mommy. You know, but I've had the experience. You want to help a child to feed the child. The child is crying as if you want to kill the child. You want to brush a child's mouth so that the mouth, you know, will be clean and the teeth wouldn't have, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, holes and whatever. And the child is kicking as if you want to kill the child. That's the problem God has. God loves us, but you see, he has to do things with us. That's the only problem. So God says, this is good. Just like in this case, this is an invitation. Come and be part of it. And we're kicking. We're shouting. We're resisting. And he said, no, I don't need this for me. The parent has eaten and has labored and has bought food and cooked. And to feed the child, the child is crying. That's why some of you people, you just hear that one mother just, you know, strangled the two children. Because I'm sure the woman probably works three jobs and then comes and makes food. And then the child is crying and feeding you. He said, they just kill. That will not happen around here. <laughs> You hear some of those things. Do you understand? These children don't understand life. The same way it is with God and us. He has to work with us. That's the challenge. He has to get our cooperation. He can't compel us. Now, coupled with that, making it even more more intricate, is that there is a devil in the world. Praise the Lord. There is a devil in the world. And this devil, let's read a bit about him. Revelation 12, 9, because when we talk devil, when we speak devil, a lot of people think purely power. The devil is powerless where the child of God is. Let me hear you say the devil is powerless. 
where the child of God is. Proof of that is this. You know in mathematics, when you say something, you give proof. Proof of that is this. The child of God is light. Hmm? The devil is what? Have you ever seen a fight between light and darkness? And light is shining and darkness is saying, I know, go, go. Is it possible? At the appearance of light, what does darkness do? It says the light shines and what? Darkness scampers. That's what it is. So, because most times when Christians or in church, when we mention the devil, people are thinking of, you know, some, you know, Abaranla, you know, some, uh, some power like this. No. Where the child of God is. Where the child of God is not. I mean, just like if someone here, you know, you're, you're from the northeast now. Okay. If you don't pay, is it the uh, bandits or Boko Haram or whatever, you can't harvest. Okay. But the same people kidnapped an American, Abby, and surrounded him by six or seven of them. Where America is, there is no Boko Haram. There is no banditry. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It depends on who you're dealing with. But when it is here, I overheard a senator, not over, I heard a senator, saying that the people from his constituency came to meet him in Abuja to collect some millions to go and pay bandits so that they can harvest their produce. So their offense is that they are Nigerians because if they were Americans and they told them such a thing, what do you think will happen? They would have. So the devil is whatever thing they attribute to him is not where children of God is. I want you to get the perspective. Praise the Lord. As a child of God is nothing to you. So what then does he do with us? What is our interaction with him? Let's read this passage. So, let's everybody. So, the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called what? The devil and Satan, who what? Deceives the whole world. We can stop there, that's where I'm going to. Who deceives the whole world? The challenge you and I have with the devil is not that he will fly at night. He can fly at night, let him fly and fall, that's his business. Is that he will deceive you into disobeying God. That's what happened at the beginning. That's what happened at quarter, you know. That's what happened at the middle. That's what happened at third quarter. That's what keeps happening. The only power he has is the power of deceiving. That's what we see there. That is the verb. That is the verb there. Who deceives? So call him whatever name. You know, how many of us watch a lot of wrestling? My daughter watches a lot of wrestling. In wrestling, people come with all kinds of names. Someone will say he's tycoon. What? No, uh, typhoon. Another person will say he's uh, jam and die, earthquake, all of that. When they finish answering the name, the moment the referee pulls out, your name doesn't save you again. No? Do you understand what I'm saying? The same thing. All the names are called the devil here. What he does is deception. I'm going back to where we started from. If you know the truth, the devil is powerless wherever you are. Simple and short. Praise the Lord. If you, that's why you must seek the truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and do what? Sell it not. Sell it not. If you get the truth, all those names will mean nothing. Because you'll be standing immovable and unshakable. So because this devil is there, he will deceive he would do anything to keep people from being in the place where God wants them to be. And that's the fight to fight. 
That's why you come to church. You come to church for illumination. You come to church for communication of truth. You come to church for interpretation of situations. You know, what we call temptation at every point in time is a situation that you're brought to where you have the choice to stand with God and see victory and see promotion or align with yourself and fear and see the devil rule. That's what it is. No matter how it comes, it's a simple choice. Either you surrender to God's word and say, this is what God's word say what I should do. Which is what we find in the story of Joseph. What did he do when he was tempted? He said, this is what God says. This is what I'm going to do. He's, go- he's going to come with consequences. He says, well, this is what God says. And that settles it. And he went to prison. That was the consequence, isn't it? But the prison he went to also brought him where? To the palace. So people now want to think palace, but they forget that he went to prison. And the reason he went to prison was what? Because he obeyed God in spite of the consequences. Now, if somebody is in church today and there's a situation before you and you want to go to the palace, praise God. You want to go to the palace, but you want to jump and pass obedience. What has happened now is that the deceiver is tuning you. The deceiver is what? Trying to deceive you to think that you can achieve that with, you know, with the wrong procedure. Anyway, so in this passage where we looked at, the enemy who came here made these people reject such an offer. And the devil, understanding what he does, let me, let me help us also. Because when you read the Bible and um, you walk with God, you get to some points and some things come to your mind. Part of it is, I'm okay. And that's why we, we have to always come, the Bible says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. Okay? You, you have to come to the word of God with meekness. You know why? L- l- let me tell you. If I were the devil, I'm not the devil. But if I were the devil, I wouldn't tempt Jesus. Have you thought about that? The devil that would tempt the son of God. Who do you think you are? Do you understand what I'm saying? The devil that will go to Peter. Peter had just received a revelation from the father. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this thing to you. But my father which is in heaven. The next thing, devil comes and gives him another one. Say, okay, the father has spoken to, to you. Let me also speak to you. That's why you, you must be careful how you exalt a man. The best of a man is still a man. He still carries body. Spirits will want to operate through him. He is my man of God. Be careful with your man of God. Jesus is the one that is enough for us. Praise the Lord. Every other person has to be careful. So this enemy is relentless. That's the word. At whatever stage. Whether at a mature stage or at a beginning stage. That's why people can get born again. You see, I don't know if you know anybody like that. I'm sure it's not you. Who has been born again for 15 years or 5 years and no difference. And whenever the person attends an event and there's an altar call being done, the person will be saying, let some people get born again. If they gave birth to a child five years ago, and since then till now, the child hasn't eaten. Where is the child? Eh? Say it loud now. Dead now. The child is dead. They gave birth to you 15 years ago. 15 years ago, you answered the altar call. Since then, you, the only thing you know in the Bible is Merry Christmas. Somebody went to marry... So the pastor of the lady said, okay, raise the stone. And the brother said, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, jingle bell, jingle bell. 
Are you a Christian? I say, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Say, okay, raise the song for us. Say, jingle bell, jingle bell. You know that that person, do you understand what I'm saying? So people are walking about with total deception. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Ah, when did you born? I said, I born under uh, Bonke Crusade. When did you born? I born for winner. I born for champion. I born for here. That's not what we are talking about. Are you alive? You see, the birth gives you what? The status to be alive. But that being alive means that you have to continue to be alive or else you will no longer be alive. Life is not automatic. The same way I want to ask you here today, what is your growth even in this year alone? This coronavirus year, have you grown? Has your speed changed? Has your conduct changed? Have you known more of God? Has your integrity changed? What has changed about you? If not, this deceiver is playing on you. He's playing on you. Has your faith also increased? Just like you heard this morning. That the devil has nothing on the child of God. It's end of year. Some people may need to travel. If you need to travel, travel. don't be afraid of traveling because of a witch. You're a wizard. You're a bigger witch. Do you understand? Christ in you. Is the hope of glory. Where you operate, you see, that which goes to a demon. You are seated in heavenly places. Far above principalities and what? Powers. That's where you're seated. I think it was right that was telling us. He said his megas who were, who were Fulanese, I don't know who they were. You know, either Fulanese or some sort of that, you know, one of those. Places. One day he said he came out and his megas were saying to him, oh boy, they, they kind of charm or God they carry, eh? Now, you know Raj does not carry charm. But because of the level where he operates in the spirit, to them they know that whatever it is he has, that's the name they're going to call it, is so much higher. They say when you plan something for this, when it comes, you'll just be, you know, they disorganize, you'll be... That is what it is. You are light. Listen to me. The Bible said as Jesus came out of the river and entered into the city of the Gadarenes, what happened? The man that was tormenting the whole city, what did he do? He was running and bowing. He was running and worshiping. That's what happens when you carry Jesus. Praise the Lord. But these things, you don't learn it by watching movie magic. You're not persuaded by, by just coming to church and, you know, no, you have to grow. You have to grow. You have to grow. So someone might be feeling a bit uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay. You must grow. If you're not growing, you're endangered. Heaven, listen to me, people of God. Nobody is going to make heaven by default. Everybody that is going to make heaven. The Bible says since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom has been preached. And what is happening? Men are pressing in. They're pressing to heaven. They're falling to hell. If you don't do anything, hell. If you do it anyhow, hell. But to go to heaven, I don't know why life is like that. The good things are difficult. It's even food. The food you enjoy is the one they don't want you to eat. How many of us are watching wait here? It's a problem. I don't understand. Meat pie is nice. Fried meat is sweeter than boiled meat, whether you like it or not, isn't it? But that's the one they say we shouldn't eat. Sugar. <laughs> Sugar is sweet. 
And if you're like me, Milo milk, they're, they're sweet. You know, that's the one, then they, they, they tell you, okay, take a lot of, take bitter cola, take, take a, take a gaddy egg. Uh-huh. Well, what are those things they tell us? The bitter leaf. Look at Wahala. Good thing is here, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, but that is life. So quickly, let, let's read the second part and, and we round up. The second part of Luke 14. So, now 25. Luke 14, 25 now. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock. They should answer those who wonder, once I begin, I have finished. It doesn't work like that. If you begin, there is a finishing. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet with him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Our Lord Jesus here is telling almost two contrasting stories. The first one was free for all. You saw it. The invitation. He said, just bring them, bring them, bring everybody into the feast. Then all of a sudden on this side, he's saying, if you even love yourself, you can't make it. What's he saying? There are two parables, very simple parables that are told about the kingdom. And they should be like a litmus test for you. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure in a field. And what? He said, for the sake of that treasure... He goes and sells all that he has and comes to do what? Purchase the field. Uh, if, if you have that, please. He doesn't just go grudgingly. He goes with joy to sell all that he has. What is he saying there? This place is to, spoke to us. He's saying if you know the worth of the kingdom. So the two things are saying the same thing actually. But the second part is talking about when you now know when you now come to know who invited you to that feast, you will be able to turn your back on every other thing. So when you, you, when you and I, when I as a Christian, my worship is dependent on my feelings. My worship is dependent on my comfort. My worship is dependent on my convenience. It's proof positive that I've not seen the kingdom or I'm being deceived. Is someone getting what I'm trying to say? The two must be saying the same thing. He said, if you don't hate, that word hate does not mean God says love everybody. That word hate is comparatively. It means in preference. He said, if following me does not confess to you before your father, before your mother, before your brothers, before your sisters. He says you cannot be. It's not that I don't want you to be. It means you will not make it. And what is that saying? People of God, okay, Hassal is here, right? Praise the Lord. 
If your bullion bank is going to, to CBN with 20 billion and an Okada scratches it, what is the protocol? Stop and fight with the Okada. The Okada breaks the light. The two headlamps. The bullion van will continue. What will you do about the two headlamps? The two headlamps are nothing compared to what is being carried in the bullion van. When you have the kingdom, you will know that nothing in this world should stop you from following Jesus. Let's rise on our feet. If you're short of that, some people that come to church say, I like my wine. I like my girlfriend. I like that. You have not seen the kingdom. When your eyes are open to see heaven, or maybe worse still, to see hell, and you know what you're running away from, and what you're running to, there will be nothing that will be able to stop you. That's why the songwriter says, if my father and mother, if nobody joins me, what will happen? Still, I will what? follow because you have seen the kingdom i need you to open your mouth and ask the lord lord show me the kingdom i want my life to change i cannot continue you see you see this like a attitude to church is out of lack of revelation we will not open books to begin to help people to come to church you just when you see the kingdom you will run you will run you will run to serve the lord you will run to give to the lord you will run from sin you will run to holiness the apostle paul says i forget the things which are behind i press forward to the mark of the high call in christ jesus there are too many floaters on who are just hanging around their eyes have never seen the beauty of the kingdom the apostle Paul says my eyes saw things which are not lawful for me to speak when you know the love of jesus we sing the songs you're sweeter than me than everything to me than everything you're better to me than when you catch that experience then you know that anger you will not even allow yourself to be angry there'll be no provision for forgiveness there'll be no provision for any of those things because they will diminish the sweetness of jesus that you enjoy somebody needs to pray to the lord lord i want to see your kingdom i want to see your kingdom so that these things you say when he says he cannot he's not disqualifying you he's just saying you do not comprehend lord i want to see this christianity i don't want to be on the periphery I want to press in. Let me see what makes men think. What was it that made the missionaries to leave the West and come to malaria infested regions to preach the gospel? What is it that will make a man, a healthy man, leave his family and go to a leper colony and ask that the door be shut behind him and he begins to minister to them? He has seen the kingdom. I need you to pray. It's beyond my husband provoked me. It's beyond my wife look for my trouble. Some people say, if my husband cheats, I will cheat. If my wife cheats, I will cheat. You have not seen the kingdom. When you see the kingdom, you will see that Hosea was asked to marry a prostitute. And the woman was going back into prostitution, but he was loving her back. Because Hosea had seen the love of God, which God had for him. And that love was enough to accommodate every nonsense that the wife was bringing child of God you just need to see uh, please don't can you help me and close your eyes and just ask the Lord open the eyes of my spirit I want to see you I want to see what this is about 
Lord, I, you know, we're coming here talking about coming for midweek. People, people were told they're going to kill you if you do this, if you go to worship Jesus. And that day they appeared in the same place. Why? Because what they had seen was too beautiful. What they had seen was too sweet. They said, we're not turning back. We will never deny him. We've made up our minds to go God's way for the rest of our lives. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is excellent. I want you to ask him, reveal yourself to me. Open up the eyes of my understanding. I want to see you, Jesus. That's what we came to talk about here. We're going to the table of communion. And somebody's here. And maybe, maybe you're the five years ago person. That you gave your life to Christ. But you know and I know that nothing has happened. You have not changed. Maybe it's even 15 years or 20 years. Maybe it's a long time. But before we go to the communion today, I want to make a call for somebody that wants to start afresh on this Christian journey with the correct revelation, with the correct interpretation. I am born again and you know it. This kingdom is where I belong. I'm not playing around. I know what is involved. All the way to Calvary, he went for me. Jesus went for me. I cannot toy with it. I want to surrender my life to him. Is there anybody there saying, my sins, Lord, please wash away today, 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 today. And give me the power to live this life. Then can I pray with you? Anywhere you are, you can raise that hand so I can pray with you. Anywhere you are. I want to surrender this life to Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you, my brother. Anywhere you are, please raise that hand. Raise that hand so I can pray with you. Raise that hand anywhere you are so I can pray with you. Jesus, 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 save me, save me. That is your heart cry. I want to be prayed for. I want you to agree with me in prayer. Okay, brother, come if you're raising your hand. Come quickly anywhere you are. If you're raising your hand, maybe I'm not able to see you. Come so we can pray. Anywhere you are, please. Quickly. Jesus, I want you to save me. I want you to save me. I come to you, Jesus. I come to you, my Lord Jesus. I come to you, Savior of the whole world. Savior of mankind. I come to you, the Son of God. I come to you. I'm asking, cleanse me, O Lord. Wash me from my sins. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Father, I want to thank you for this precious one who today has heard the voice of your spirit. I pray for him. You are a merciful and wonderful Savior. Lord, receive him, O Lord. Can you say after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask that you receive me I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You are the savior of the world. You died on the cross for me. Let the blood that you shed on that cross, let it wash me. Let it wash my sins away. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Jesus, today, give me the gift of your Holy Spirit. Empower me. To live the life of a child of God. From today, may I never turn back. May I make it to your kingdom in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I want to thank you for this one. 
He has made a confession and you have promised that whosoever comes to you by no means cast out. Receive, O Lord, this son of yours. Empower him, O Lord. The things written concerning him before the foundations of the earth, may they come to fulfillment in the name of Jesus. Thank you, O Lord, my God. Say, I'm born again. I'm born again. Hallelujah. There's rejoicing in heaven over you. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.